Welcome to the True Safety Podcast with Apollonia Rockwell, where each week you hear from safety industry experts and leaders discussing safety culture, team development, and the future of the safety industry. If you are looking for help with your safety program or have questions, head to truesafetyservices.com slash podcast. Let's get started. All right, everyone, welcome and thank you so much for listening. I am super excited. We have Brian Whitaker here today, who is a professor at the Appalachian State University, and he is also co-founder and director of Immersive Learning at, how do, tell me again, Brian, because I don't want to pronounce it wrong. It's quirky. Quirky, perfect. It's I thought quirky. so, and I'm like, I'm going to butcher this. <laughs> right. We, okay. we get different pronunciations but yeah we zero in on quirky awesome i love it it sounds fun and exciting and it, and it makes me curious to learn more about it so um so i am super excited to talk to you today about the immersive learning piece of it all you know you don't just come out and say hey i'm a safety consultant or this is the, the work the the learning the education behind it all I'd love to just pick your brain about that so first of all just welcome and and first of all how are you doing today I'm doing great I'm doing great I really am um, I feel like I feel like we once we turn the corner in 2021 each week has gotten progressively better yes. right so we're kind of yeah. have like this is way way better than it was this time last year right. That's a great perspective. I'm always I'm always thinking the same thing as what was happening this month last year. Okay, this is a good month. We're off to a good start. You use 2020 as a benchmark for anything. Suddenly everything you're doing now is better. Yeah, that's a good that's a good life perspective. Absolutely. And so what are you doing today that you're super excited about and passionate about? What do you have in your sleep? What are you doing? Well, you know, from, I mean, I can talk about the immersive stuff, which is extremely cool and extremely time, timely. I can also talk about, you know, individual projects that we have going on at, at Quirky. We're doing some really cool stuff, but um, about it, yeah. with the immersive stuff, I don't want this to be a commercial, but uh, I'll, I will tell you about some cool stuff that we're doing. Uh, but with respect to the immersive technologies, I, I am really excited about the, 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 the potential for immersive technologies in, in the safety space, uh, all the way up and down the ladder. Uh, you know, this is not the first time, I'll be honest, that, uh, that we've been talking about things like virtual reality and 360 degree video and art, you know, augmented reality. It's not the first time we've, we've done this road before. Um, this is about third, this is the third time I think where we've started to make real inroads in the immersive technologies for, for sharpening safety competencies. But this time, this time it sure looks, looks like we've got the market penetration and, uh, you know, it's being mass produced. So the technology, the cost of the technology is coming down. So we're starting to see it deployed more and more. We're starting to see more and more research attention being paid to it as well. And the results we're getting back from the empirical research is just phenomenal. Just uh, it's just unbelievable. Um, there, you know, there are there are frameworks out there now that have been validated uh, to construct uh, safety programs around using these immersive technologies, and the, the ROI is just uh, staggering on these things, and 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 for good reason. You know, the the more you can immerse someone, uh, uh, the, the the quicker learning just sort of takes hold and and, and hooks in. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. The more memorable it is, and I I loved how you framed that that. This isn't the first time that we're that we are talking about AR and virtual reality, but I I do feel that shift 
in our industry that yeah. we're getting closer and that it's becoming not a, ooh, cool, that's an awesome feature. But in my mind, because I'm obsessed with training, I'm obsessed with safety yeah. in the workplace, is that it's, to me, the future will, will, will require this because that yeah. is how us humans are learning and retaining information. Am I right about that? Is that what the research yeah. is saying? Is that students will not be able to, to retain information from a PowerPoint since we live differently, we will learn differently. Is that mm -hmm. what your philosophy is? Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. You know, um, so again, the more immersive, you know, the better. And when you're put when you're putting these three-dimensional uh real-time experiences, it looks and feels like you're there. And some of the more sophisticated types of setups, you know, they can have wind blowing across your face if you're if you're, I don't know, if you're uh, if you were a, like a wind turbine installer, right, you're working in the renewable space, right? We can construct experiences now where you're actually up there on a wind turbine and you're feeling wind across your face, right? You're this so is making me so excited. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just one side of it, right? I mean, we're talking about at the operator level, right, the employee level. We're, we're starting to show that these types of technologies are extremely useful at the leadership development level as well. And that's where I'm really excited about it. Yeah, um, we can tell do some. about that. Yeah, tell me. Like, that, that, that book was like, oh, my goodness. What yeah. do you mean? What does that look like? Well, so um, um, you're, you're aware of the soft skill space uh, in development, right? We, we've been trying to figure out the best way to develop these you know, safety leadership soft skills forever. Yes. Right? This, yeah. These technologies are extremely really good for, uh, for the soft skill types of, uh, of, of competencies for leadership. Um, you can, you know, you can put you can put a, a leader in a situation where they're they're monitoring an employee out there somewhere and an employee uh, backs into a fixed object. Right. They're in a vehicle and they're in a company vehicle and they back into a fixed object of some kind. We can immediately put a supervisor in, in a position where they are then coaching that person in three dimensional space. And we're scoring in real time, right? Whether their responses are accurate or not. And and if you get really sophisticated, you can, you know, you can. <laughs> if this is getting a little experimental now, but you know, you can you can do things like you can track uh, pupil dilation and where their eyes are going, right? So you can start getting an idea of what stress responses are, or you know, where say in the feedback process they're really starting to get stressed, you know, from a leadership perspective, so that we can train those skills. Right. So, yeah, I mean, the, it, it really is a situation where with these technologies, the sky does appear to be the limit. And the research right now is pretty wild west. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's coming out there. There are a lot of typologies for leadership development in immersive space. Uh, it, so those paths are starting to be, you know, blazed uh, at this point. Um, but uh, everything that we're, we're, we're showing seems to indicate that, man, this really seems to be the direction that, that we're going now. But but again, you know. Um, these immersive technologies aren't new, you know, I mean, they've been used in the military, they've been used in healthcare for decades now, mm -hmm. right? But the, again, the price point has gotten to the point where, you know, okay, yeah, we can start deploying this in a lot of different places. Absolutely. And that, Brian, my, my brain just exploded. I don't even know where to start because my excitement for AR and for virtual reality and for better, for bettering the experience in the classroom overall. I'm super excited and passionate about that space, but you know, I never thought about it the way you just framed it is the, the tying the soft skills 
with yep. the AR and the VR, I never thought about it like that. I never thought that that would be maybe even a starting point or yeah, an sure. option is to enhance a communication uh, skill within the leadership team using these types of technology mm-hmm. um, technologies. That's that's wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it also cuts cuts down a lot on the ambiguity with respect to leadership development, right? But the trick, as always, has been okay. Then how do we how do we isolate, define, assess, and develop the leadership skills that are necessary? Right. That's where it starts. Get that's where it starts to get a little tricky for most practitioners. Is okay. What are those leadership skills? Right. And if you if you look at the research literature, you know, which we have <laughs> many, many times and in great depth, you start to see some some commonality across uh, across not only what research safety, uh, safety leadership researchers are saying, but also what the best practices are out there for some of the safest uh, organizations. I'm thinking like, oh, you know, the UPS is out there, the PepsiCo's, ABM, Bev, you know, places that that have spent decades and millions on safety. Right. Um, yeah. So um, uh, I think what these guys are finding, all of those companies I just mentioned have built, have, have gotten some inroads in the immersive space. They're all working on the immersive space right now. Wow. That is a huge, if you didn't know, now, you know, if and you didn't know, you know, if you didn't know, now, you know, and for the safety professionals, for anyone listening, that's in leadership and his management, if you now know that this is what the big companies are moving towards, that just to me, how can you not be looking at your own organization and think, okay, maybe we don't have the technology or the funding right now or the resources right now, but how can we start taking baby steps towards at least starting the conversation around that? So what would be, um, for some of your clients that are looking to enhance their training experiences, and they're wanting to move towards, you know, maybe some AR, you know, I don't know. What is, what are your clients? What, are, what's like a first step that they, yeah. you see them taking? We, we still are in this space where they're, they're most of the clients are, are pretty cautious, right? No yeah. one really first adopter, you know, that's just, that's just the way it is. So a lot of the companies I just mentioned are making inroads, you know, into, into VR and the immersive types of stuff. Uh, uh, so that's, it's coming. Um, Repeat your question one more time so I can make sure I'm, I'm going down the right road here. Yeah, if someone is just, if you have a client that's just looking to, they, they know no, VR, VR is, is the future, but they're looking to just enhance their training in the right now. They want to do a better job at training. Yeah. What is the first step that they can take to yeah. move from uh, death by PowerPoint? Other than death by PowerPoint, right? Yeah, um, it, it 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 is again a little wild west right now. It seems that um, so the the way the, the way we approach. I'm gonna long winded answer here, okay? So the the way we approach um, the way we come at safety is, is a little different than the way that most I think safety consultants come at safety. Uh, it's one of the things that make us quirky, right? It's one of the things that makes us uh, stand out. Okay. We are, we are all uh, trained industrial organizational psychologists. Right. Um, so we specialize in learning and, and develop in development in safety sensitive industries. And we all come from blue collar backgrounds uh, mm-hmm. and we've all gravitated to safety um, as a result of growing up you know, in, in that environment. And the way we approach safety is it's deeply psychological. Um, mm-hmm. um, 
specifically safety motivation is deeply uh, deeply psychological. People choose to engage or not engage uh, in, in safe behavior, and that choice is guided by embedded psychological principles, right? Yes, yes. Practically speaking, practically speaking this means for our clients, uh, we construct safety programs and policies that have you know, these principles uh, in mind, right? Obviously, um, doesn't matter what we're producing. Doesn't matter if we're just like uh, producing a, a one-off e-learning module, or if we're if we're doing a, like a, a an enterprise-wide uh, safety culture initiative. Uh, we always integrate what the safety research literature says works best. Now, to get to get to your question, what the research literature suggests works best right now is going to differ by the client's industry, oh. by the by their equipment, by their specific issues, their you know, pain points. So uh, in, in, in a blanket way, suggesting to a generic client, client how to get into the immersive technologies, is, it's, it's, a little, it's so ambiguous right now, it's really kind of hard, right? Uh, there, I, as it stands right now, I think there are, there, there are applications for, say, 360 video that make more sense than using like AR or fully immersive uh, VR. Okay. Uh, if I'm a fleet safety manager, I might think about using uh, 360 video for hazard awareness training, okay. right? Where I, I simply have someone drive down the road. There's, you know, it's it's in three. Have you seen 360 video before? Yes. Oh God, it's so cool. It's so, so freaking cool. I just was um, introduced to it a um, few months ago, and so I've been obsessed. So yeah, yeah go ahead. So, so it might it might be a matter of it's capturing a, a few quick sequences of 360 video, then uh, uh, putting some digital overlays on it so that you can turn them into a hazard awareness type of exercise, right? Okay, so there's a bicyclist there. Highlight that bicyclist and say, this is, you know, you've got to pay attention to this guy. And uh, there's somebody that's kind of speeding through the intersection. Pay attention to that person. So, you know, you can craft this custom-made uh, um, uh, hazard awareness 360 video, which would cost a fraction of uh, a full-blown VR application would cost where it's fully digitized, right? right. So, so again, it's going to differ based on what, you know, the client's budget. There's another factor, right? And also what it is they need help training on, right? Um, now, like what's top priority and if it's hazard yeah. recognition. When I saw yeah. that first introduction of, of 360 video, I thought, like, this is the first step. I mean, I don't know of all the options, but I just thought, how could you, after being exposed to that type of experience, how can you not integrate that into your safety? Right. How yeah, can what, you, how can, like, morally, as a safety professional, it, thinking, how can mm -hmm. we not be interested in this? It's an absolute no-brainer, especially when you consider the fact that you can plug it right into an LMS. Right. You can embed you can embed uh, questions, right, quizzes into these experiences and get scores on those, which go straight to the LMS. Right. I mean, so for compliance, just for compliance reporting there, they're great to have. But um, early on, all the all the literature we're, we're seeing seems to indicate that it goes beyond just compliance. It really does seem to to help build that culture. You know, people want to come work for companies that signal to them that they care about their safety. Right. And these yeah. experiences tend to send those signals. Yep. Mm. What else in the training space are you really excited about that you're currently working on with um, with com with your customers, with companies right now? What are your clients excited about right now? Hey, you know, one, one thing that we're really 
really excited about is, is some work we're doing with a, a non a nonprofit client um, okay. together together for safer roads. Um, so they got a really cool thing going on. I, I love I love their vibe and what they're doing. Uh, so together for safer roads is a it's a multinational coalition. Uh, made up of massive companies that have massive fleets, like some of the companies I just mentioned, uh, Amazon, PepsiCo, um, uh, Walmart is in there, UPS, right? And and the idea here is through Together for Safer Roads, through this coalition, um, what they've done is they brought Quirky on board to um, to index and sort of catalog all the, the best practices from these massive companies with regard to fleet safety. The idea being, okay, so we can take all their secrets that they have you know, spent millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars on and decades on tons of resources, and we can repackage those and we can take those and take those best practices and convey them to small to mid-sized fleets. Okay. Right. I, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but over 90% of the trucks out there on the road, uh, come from small to mid-sized fleets, tiny, tiny fleets that don't have resources like the big fleets have, right? Okay. They don't have, okay. do not have money to throw at data collection. They don't have money to throw at leadership development or even, you know, employee onboarding and training basics, right? Okay. So, okay. so with this coalition, uh, we, we, again, we, we sort of cataloged and indexed their, their best practices. And we, we've turned that into a massive, uh, organizational culture, safety culture change initiative for these small to mid-sized fleets. And what we're, what we're doing with these guys is um, based on, it's a, it's a cohort based model where we're, we're bringing in uh, say 10 fleets at a time, 10 okay. small fleets at a time. Right. And we're helping them. Uh, we're helping them get telematics installed. Right. We're helping them uh, we're covering costs associated with, with telematics installation, covering the costs associated with leadership development, wow. safety, train the trainer kinds of activities, operator training the front line. Um, so it's just a really cool pro-social thing that, that that's being done by by Together for Safer Roads. Um, so it's just, that's just a really cool thing that's going on. Uh, but, you know, to, to answer, there's so much stuff, honestly, that's going on in safety right now. I mean. Yeah, we we mentioned immersive stuff, and uh, I kind of talked about this this issue with with respect to fleet safety. The overwhelming majority of the trucks out there are completely underserved and uh, and under resourced. Um, but that's you a know, huge statistic that I wasn't aware of, and that's most, I mean that's a huge don't. awareness. Wow, most people don't. And then when you when you consider the fact that oh, I'm not going to get this statistic right, something like. I'm pretty sure it's something like 80% of 80% of communities get all of their medicines and groceries and just supplies delivered by truck. Right. And when you consider the fact that 90% of those trucks come from these tiny fleets that just don't have any resources to throw at safety. Right. You start to think to yourself, yeah, there's, there's some room for improvement here. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And globally, this comes out. TSR, Together for Safer Roads, their their um, their mission came out of uh, uh, the United Nations Decade of Road Safety, which is still kind of ongoing, right? Uh, the idea being, you know, we want to put a dent in the 1.2 million deaths that occur on roadways every year. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So these bigs, you know, are stepping up and saying, "We have all these best practices. Can we share some of this stuff?" So again, it's just a very super cool thing that's going on. 
something really interesting that you mentioned is just how Corky is founded by the same, the leadership team or the founders, you all have the same experience and philosophy and perspective on safety. Yeah. Um, did I hear you right? You know, coming from boots on the ground, coming from operations, then then yeah. the safety piece comes into it and the love for safety. It wasn't, you know, just safety at first. And yeah. so what is another philosophy that your company has around safety? Um, you mentioned one philosophy about training, but what else do you believe in that's a little bit different than, say, the industry standard? Oh, boy. Well, we... It sounds like you guys are disruptors. and That's another thing that sort of makes us quirky. We, we do tend to stand out a little bit just because of the way we think and the unique background and experience and education we have. Um, I, I, you know, I would say that... Um, w- yeah, one of our key philosophies is that we really try to educate our clients on adopting a systems mindset. Mm. Um, so you think do I want to tie in the other question you asked? Yeah. So when when we when we look through the research literature and we try to identify themes for what safety leadership is, so that we can then develop that right for our clients. Again, we tend to see some common themes and probably the most dominant theme we see is this idea of fairness or justice in the workplace. I mean, there's nothing that there's nothing that keys employees in to, you know, whether or not they're they're in the good graces of the powerful, like whether or not they feel like they're being treated fairly. Mm -hmm. Right. And people decide if they're going to engage in safety behavior based on how fairly they're treated. So one of the. One of the one of the one of the key sort of philosophies that we live by is um, is trying to trying to make the case to our clients that yet yeah, you really want to adopt a, a systems mindset. You know, anytime that you have anytime you have an unsafe behavior that occurs on the job, anytime there are almost always precursors to that unsafe behavior that lie outside the control of the person that committed the unsafe behavior. I completely agree. Thinking of just the flashback of all the incidents that I've worked on, I completely agree with that. All right. Yeah. So what we try to what we try to uh, convince our clients is in their best interest is adopting that mindset, maybe adopting, you know, a a framework for analyzing whatever accidents or crashes or whatever the incidents are. Uh, For instance, they might use. Have you heard of uh, the human factors accident classification? Okay. Yes. We might, uh, if a client, you know, likes that, there are a number of those types of, you know, frameworks. If a client likes the HVACs framework and feels like it might, you know, do some good there, then we can help them, you know, apply that so that they can, if, 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 uh, if uh, a crash happens, right, then we can help them figure out, okay, was that a skill-based error or decision-based error? Then we can help them trace that back through the preconditions. Okay, what, what happened, you know, at frontline supervision? Was there something that went on there? Okay, what about leadership? What about at the organizational cultural level? Mm-hmm. Because again, overwhelmingly, we see that when something happens, there are usually some indirect uh, errors that occur too. So preaching that, you know, that systems mindset is really key for us because one of the things that we really try to get our clients to understand is that nobody ever sets out to have an accident. You know, nobody ever sets okay. out no. something, yeah. something bad to happen on the job, right? So trying to get some manager, some leadership out of that knee jerk uh, blame and shame, right? Framework 
yeah. is, is yeah. right. And once you adopt that systems mindset, then it sort of implicitly happens where you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. So there are all these precursors and preconditions that lead to that behavior. It's not just that person committing the behavior. Okay. There's just some downstream stuff here too, that we should pay attention to. Maybe there's some mixed messaging that that person's getting and they're rushing on the job. Right. So uh, yeah, for us, it's a matter of helping them figure out how to adopt that mindset so that they can come across as more fair to their employees. Right. While at the same time, hold employees accountable and making sure that those skills or competencies or safety competencies are technically sharp. Absolutely. I love the the human approach to an incident or to a system breaking down as one. How can we create, yes, better systems, but how can we create a better human interaction between yeah. the team and just keeping people first? Like I, I, I love what you're saying and I, yeah, I completely agree. And so how does, um, what is a typical, what does it typically look like for your company to serve a customer? So they're, you know, are they around a hundred employees? Um, you know, what mm-hmm. industry? Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, we have, we have some big clients, we have some fortune 500 clients, but we also have tiny, tiny clients. Right. And, you know, one of the things that, 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 that we just we're aware of we, we have it locked in is that it, it really doesn't matter the client psychological principles or psychological principles employees are yeah i just had this conversation the other day i completely agree with agree with you what i hear you saying or tell me if i'm listening to this right is that um also the culture can only be driven as far as the leadership will allow it right whether you're 100 employees a thousand employees 10 Often- employees does it just ultimately come down to how far the owners or leadership team will let you take that program? Yeah. Yes, it does. Yeah. Ultimately, ultimately, you almost can't decouple leadership from culture until you get big, right? Once you get to be a big company, then you start to see leadership and culture kind of coming apart, right? Where the leader and the culture start to drift apart. But when they're small and they're smaller companies, they're almost one and the same. Right. Almost completely the same thing. Leadership behavior is culture. Culture is leadership behavior. Right. And and the reason for that is that is because leadership is everything. Management is is everything. Right. I mean, they everything starts with leadership. Everything starts with from an employee perspective. Right. Mm -hmm. Management leadership holds the power to hire, to fire, to demote, to promote, to schedule hours, to dole out assignments, right? Make working life, you know, living hell or make it a good place to be, right? So, I mean, uh, leadership can dole out all the goodies and all the baddies. And because of that, employees are always monitoring for clues about how they're doing in the eyes of the powerful because that's who decides their outcomes, right? And, and, and how quick, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, well, I mean, the point that I wanted to make is that it's just undeniable at this point that that at its bottom, at the bottom of it, safety behavior is driven by employee personal characteristics like risk aversion and hazard awareness, experience on the job, but also the cues they see in the environment. The cues they see in the environment come from leadership safety behavior, the role modeling they do, and the uh, specific safety systems that they implement. All of these things send signals to employees about how safe that they're going to be because they're seeing the role models, right? They're seeing how they're behaving and how they're talking about it. 
And if they experience some sort of disconnect between, you know, if leadership is saying one thing and doing another thing, that tends not to be very motivating, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, how you just broke that down behavior-wise when it comes to the, the overall culture of an organization makes me think of um, some previous conversations, guests that we've had on the show um, that are with larger, larger safety companies. And it's interesting because the conversation seems a little bit similar as far as um, what's newer or a new way of thinking about safety is that for our safety consultant, let's say, is not to go into an organization and do a regulation gap analysis, but what's first is more of a cultural and behavioral analysis to see where the company is at before they even get into the regulation stuff. And so Mm -hmm. is that where your mind is at too, is when you onboard a customer, are you more interested and curious about their culture first, then regulations? Or tell me, how do you onboard a customer? What does it look like for you to serve a customer? Yeah, yeah. So, so it's a lot of conversation, right? Uh, we, we, we don't do anything off the shelf. Nothing. Everything is customized. Everything is customized because, you know, uh, um, a person's pain points are going to differ by industry and processes and equipment and so on, and the workforce and so on and so forth. So, everything is necessarily uh, highly prescribed and you know diagnosed for a given client, right? It's just the way it has to be. Um, so. When when a, a client's coming on, yeah, there's a lot of conversations, and we are looking we are looking for, uh, okay, are there are there are there check sheet check sheets out there? Are the compliance check sheets floating around? Right? Uh, are they are they? Where was that? <laughs> right? okay, yeah. Okay, so they are they're compliance minded, right? They they, they know that they got to do the, these things, but do they also know that there's more to it than that? Because you know checklists don't really equate to safe behavior or a safety culture, and vice versa. Safety culture. Absolutely. Yes. The checklists, right? So we spend a lot of time simply getting to know our employees um, uh, or, or our clients and, and getting yeah. to know where their issues actually are. Um, it, it generally does sort of take a while to figure out uh, okay, you know what? This client is much better served by a, a new onboarding program, or this client is much better served by a new train the trainer program, right? So it does take some, some effort and some 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 discussion to figure it out um wow. because because we you know we 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 are so steeped in this and we've been we've been doing this stuff for 20 years now you know um yeah yeah so it's there's an art and a science to it right that's kind of what consulting is um and, and it, we don't i don't think we have a specific we don't have a specific like onboarding process that that we go through Click, 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 click. But we do have information that we need to extract so that we can, you know, we can make the the, the best diagnosis possible. Uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of talking, a lot of, a lot of brainstorming. Honestly, a lot of, okay, is this going to work here? And can we go back and get a few more of these records and maybe look at some of this data that you have? Right. So it does differ client by client, but it's always very thorough. It sounds like it, and it sounds like. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong about this, but when you are diagnosing, let's say, a new customer and they're telling you, well, we don't have the best safety culture, we don't know why, we want to go to the next level, and you're trying to figure out, okay, what is this company about? When you um, start brainstorming recommendations for this company, 
is it accurate that for the most part, you are maybe making suggestions that are outside of safety, safety, you know, traditional safety roles, right? You know, when I'm having these conversations and interviewing different um, safety companies, I'm realizing that it's not safety culture. It's just culture. What is going on? I love, I love what you said. If there's an incident, we're looking at the behaviors. Yes. But we're looking about about what system broke. There's a, and and how you have a systematic. Right. Yeah. 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 Sure. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, from, you know, from the, from the leadership perspective, you need someone who's going to be that role model. Who's going to, who's going to walk the walk and, and talk the talk. Who's going to be uh, uh, accountable themselves and transparent themselves and put in place the right policies and programs with respect to recruiting and, and attraction and uh, uh, selection and performance management, so on and so forth. They need to put those aligned processes in place. And then you drop down a level, right? Maybe at unit, le- unit level leadership, they're going to be there to make sure that those policies and programs remain aligned and that they're you know, getting the effectiveness and efficiency out of them that they need. Um, while top leadership is acting as the role models, right? The mid-managers are acting as the aligners, making sure that those policies and, and, and programs that are in place are doing what they're supposed to do, right? So oftentimes it is a matter of having some conversations to figure out where the weak link is and how something might need to get tweaked or, or realigned or just simply updated sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it not just, yeah, the, what I'm hearing you say too is that it's not to go to the next level level culture-wise for a company. It's not, it's not the safety department. It's not going to just be the safety department that's like humorous. Like it, it really is a collaboration between operations, leadership, mm-hmm and safety to all cohesively align with the same pro with, with the same idea. And that's how you'll get a company to shift. Yes. Without a doubt. Um, I've, <laughs> I've done this a couple of times now where I've, I've, I've talked clients into going and talking to their marketing department, right. About securing funds for safety because safety does become a marketing issue. It goes a long way in terms of, uh, you know, attracting the right kind of applicants and it goes a long way in terms of public perception of your company as well. So there's a huge marketing angle. And generally speaking, marketing always has way more money than safety's got. Yeah. Right? So yeah. Yeah. There, there, there's quite a bit, you know, client education that has to happen sometimes and you have to help them get to where they need to be. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, what are some final thoughts that you have? Anything that you're up to? Uh, you're up to a lot, it sounds like. And you have a, a lot, lot of fun of exciting really cool stuff on. going on. I think I think it's a, a really great time to be getting into safety right now. I think that this is really kind of uh, uh, blowing up. It's really up and coming right now. Um, I'm seeing uh, more and more people from my neck of the woods, the industrial organizational psychologists, coming into this field, which is which is great. Um, you know, um, the, I think I mentioned at some point that you know employee motivation is employee motivation, right? And psychological principles are psychological principles. We could take these things and go to any industry, right? We could um, we could help bankers, you know, be better bankers. We could help insurance salesmen sell sell more insurance. But uh, this is far more gratifying. Right? <laughs> this is far more gratifying for us to you know to see accident numbers go down, to see 
deaths go down, right? Our client issues become uh, less severe, right? It's hugely edifying, gratifying for us. Um, so um, I think that we're going to see more of that. I'm excited about, uh, I'm excited more for more psychology in the safety arena. Uh, I think that's been uh, sorely needed for, for a long time. Um, obviously, you know, uh, we mentioned the immersive stuff and the VR stuff, it's, which is unstoppable at this point, the genie's out of the bottle, right? Yeah. So, so that's coming. Um, I think personally, I think we're going to see much more, I think we're going to see more companies leaning into safety leadership development, um, than we have in the past. Uh, at this point, you know, we, we really spend a lot of time thinking about and engineering out issues at the operator or frontline level okay. i think we're that attention up the hierarchy now and and well on uh, you know and, and because so many more companies are engaging in mergers and acquisitions now mm-hmm. uh vendor management is becoming a, a a much big for example in construction you know those responsible bidder laws have you heard about those in construction I, what was interesting is that we we were primarily pre-COVID working with oil and gas companies mm-hmm. and they were enhancing their vendor management. I mean, it was, it was top notch. And now we're working with a lot of construction customers and companies. And it, it, it seems like it's a little bit um, emerging. It wasn't as set in stone that, that a vendor is looking at their safety program is completely exposed and transparent to um, all of their subcontractors. So it, it just seems right. Funny. So, right. And you can imagine bringing on, you know, if, if you're a company that tends to bring like, like your average, you know, construction operator where they'll, they'll go to some job site in a different city and just hire people locally. Right. Yes. And yeah. Quality control your, your subcontractors with that kind of business model. Right. So vendor management of safety outcomes is, is getting kind of getting kind of big. It's a riddle. Right. I mean, it's going to be a riddle to unlock it, but it's pretty dang important, too. Absolutely. And we didn't plan this. This is just too ironic that you're mentioning how psychology just aligns perfectly with the mission of safety. And we actually, I just interviewed right before you this morning is a, is a psychologist who is working with, yeah, his name is Steve Lutz, and he's a psychologist, now a safety professional. And so his perspective on just the human aspect and employee motivation and every, yeah, aligning exactly of what you're talking about, the futures, um, the futures for, for companies, for organizations, yeah. no matter how right. big, because you're right, we're it comes down to people and how we yeah. think and how we're motivated. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Until the autonomous vehicles take over. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. When's that? <laughs> Soon. I don't, I don't think that's a thing we're going to have to really be concerned about for a couple of decades. I, I really don't see that be, being an issue. Yeah. Yep. We're going to have that human element for quite a while still. Oh my gosh. Well, I just glanced at the time and I went over 10 minutes of what I promised you. So I I apologize for that. No, the conversation went by quick. I just, I can't believe um, that we went this long. So I, I want to respect your timeframe that you gave us. I know you're extremely busy and I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, your perspective and just, you know, I'd love to continue the conversation because totally. I'm obsessed with AR, VR, the future of safety, yeah. the future of education. And, uh, you know, how we're learning is 
how our workplace obviously needs to needs to catch up with that too. So employees. So I would love to follow up with you and uh, just yeah, thank you so much. And if anybody has any questions, um, any follow up, Brian's contact information um, will be linked to this podcast. And yeah, thank you so much for being here today. So much. All right, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for listening to the True Safety Podcast with Apollonia Rockwell. If you are looking to save time and money with your safety program this year, we'd love to hear from you. Head to truesafetyservices.com slash podcast to schedule a free call with our team, where we will help you identify the biggest opportunities for growth in your company and safety program, and we'll connect you with the right resources to help you grow. Again, that is truesafetyservices.com slash podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next week. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends. If you know anyone who needs to hear this episode today, click the share button and send them this episode.